This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. 31, we're moving. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Um, a very similar introduction to several of his songs. It's a, it is a song, and he, he begins by saying he trusts God. I, it is the theme, you say, that's the theme of the book of Psalms, trusting God. No, it's really the theme of the book of the Bible. It's the Bible's theme is learning to trust God because that is the thing that God desires of us for us to trust him and and. He delivers, he says at the end of this, he says, let me never be ashamed. But he also says, he says, deliver me in your righteousness. And the righteousness of God is attained by faith. And so he begins with the idea that God desires for us to trust him. And then he says, bow down your ear to me, deliver me speedily, be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. What he's saying is God does have to, by his own will, bend bend his ear toward us. He has to turn his ear toward us by his own will, but he chooses to do that. God chooses to be an intimate. God chooses to be, uh, to to tune his ear toward us. And and he chooses to act and act on our, act in our benefit on a regular basis. That's that's the acts and the work of God on his own. He, He chooses these things. And these things are these things are done by God in His timing. But oftentimes, God is at work solving your situation in ways in 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 things that you never even know about, you never hear about, that you don't even understand. Sometimes God does things, and you can't. There's no explanation for it. And the truth is, if you knew everything, there would be an explanation for it. But because He has been at work for so long and so much time because of that he it seems like it happened to you just out of the blue just poof and there it was but that is not how God is God has God has planned he has planned knowing your failures he's planned knowing your knowing your knowing your struggles your personal struggles he's planned those things knowing those things and wanting and desiring and working toward you, you having his best, you seeing um, him at work in your life, him protecting you. And ultimately, God protects us against ourselves the most. And when he says that, be my rock and refuge, my fortress of defense to save me, he's talking about do the things that you do that, that, that I don't have an answer for, or I can't tell how it's working. He says, for you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, you're, for your namesake, lead me and guide me. Is that our regular petition? Yes, it is. Lead us not in temptation, deliver us me. He says, 
lead me and guide me through my life. He says, pull me out of the net, which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. And paranoia, paranoia will destroy you. But paranoia, what is going on and the, and the possibilities of how things might turn out is a very, it is an extension of fear. You can first be afraid and have fear, but fear, if it really takes root in your heart, it leads to you being paranoid. It leads you, it leads you to be, be considering everything that happens around you in light of your fear. Uh, think about that. It leads everything, you look at everything, not in light of God's word, not in light of his promises, not in light of uh, reality, but you look at everything in light of fear. And you've been in a situation where you were intensely afraid and everything that you thought or saw was filtered through that fear and led you to be paranoid about everything. And he says, pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. Oftentimes we, we struggle with, are there is, let me say this. If God is delivering you from these things and you're getting in, and, and there are traps laid out there for you. If that's true, if that's what's going on and he has planned to deliver you from a trap, is it really a trap? Is it? Because if God is not going to allow it to trap you, is it even an issue? And it's not an issue. He says, uh, for you are my strength. And if we're, see, notice the, notice the dichotomy, trust God or filter everything through fear. Trust God, filter everything through fear. I, I actually think life is a whole lot better trusting God. And I think anybody with any reasonableness about them as they thought through it, hope and trust is far superior to live in than fear and paranoia. He says, into your hand, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord uh, God of truth. And this is another time. David does. David says this uh, a couple of times in the, in, the, in the book of Psalms. And he says, into your hand, I commit my spirit. And this is also, by the way, this is one of those ideas I've, try, I've tried to think through and figure out. This is one of those reasons to believe that the Old Testament saints were born again, actually, not just New Testament saints. There's several, and when I say several, I'm not talking about a couple. I'm talking about several verses written by Old Testament saints, Moses especially, David especially, Isaiah especially, that, and, and many of the minor prophets also, that especially give you the idea that that the new birth or the re regeneration was taking place in the Old Testament also, maybe not on the maybe not, not at the widespread level it does in the New Testament or in in the church age, but there's good reason to believe it. And this is one of those things. And Jesus actually quotes him on the cross, which even which even kind of it, it puts it out there and advertises it to us, saying, "Hey, look at me." This idea. And so even though over the last decade or so. I vacillated on that a little bit. I become more and more convinced that there, at least some of the Old Testament saints were born again at some point in time. Anyway, that's just a kind of side note theologically. He said, I have hated those who regard useless idols. What he's saying is I hated those things, that, those people who chased after the world, really. Uh, useless idols is a form of worshiping. But even in the useless idols, even in our own, even in Christianized idolatry, like worship of saints, we make them the patron saint of, and makes me, there's lots of jokes about that St. Patrick being the 
patron saint of, of Ireland, or you got the patron saint of travelers or, or those things. They're, they're placing your faith and your hope in created the created rather than the creator. He said, I hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. But I trust in the Lord. He keeps saying that throughout throughout the Psalms. But I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad and rejoice with your mercy. For you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities. And notice he goes, spirit, even in here, he's he's using them separately. And, and our spirit is in the hands of God because our spirit is eternal. But our soul does struggle with adversity. Our heart and our mind, who we are personally, struggles with with adversity and <clears throat> notice he said you have you have past tense considered my troubles you have thought through these things in the past and i have not shut and have not shut me up into the hand of my enemy you have set my feet on a wide place meaning i have a wide path to, to travel even though it's my singular path you it's not narrow it's not something i could fall off it is a wide path on which i can find footing easily and and you have already decided how to deliver me. Like I said earlier, if it's a trap laid by the enemy, but God has already determined that you shall not be caught up in it, is it really even a trap? And the truth is, to them in their own hearts, it's a trap. But for you, in all actuality, it's not a trap because you can't be trapped in it. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. That he is he's gonna go into a very deep dissertation on the anguish of worry and fear and doubt and how when we're in the midst of those things we react and he's gonna give some very physical and very emotional terminology to identify that. Notice he says, My eyes waste away with grief and you you can really tell uh, where somebody is by looking into their the eyes of them or, or the window to the soul. They allow you to see where a person actually is and what's going on with them. My eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body, my, my heart, my mind, and literally my body. And you can tell folks physically suffer when they suffer from worry and, and fear. They literally, their, their bodies begin to decay and it is so acidic to your existence. Fear and worry is so acidic to your existence. He says, for my life is spent with grief, meaning he's literally paying his life to live in the grief that he's in. And my years with sighing, have you ever noticed, I do this, this is something I really do. I will huff when I am struggling with something or pondering something or well, the truth is I'm just worrying about something, I will literally go <sighs> sighing. And he, he literally said here in this verse, he says his, he's spending his life in grief and the years of his life are being sighed away. And you literally can wish your life away, by the way. You, you can really wish what is going to happen down the road Thinking that what if I can attain to this next thing, then I will be happy and I will be content and everything will be wonderful. And the truth is, the truth is, true life is lived in the moment that you're in, not in some illusory idea of what the future could possibly be. And I'm going to say that life is truly well spent and enjoyed 
living in the moment you're in rather than the illusory what-ifs of the future. He says, for my life is spent with grief and my years inside and my strength fails because of my iniquity. And he can be talking about other sin, but the truth is a lack of faith is iniquity. And spending your life on grief and sorrow and uh, worry and, and doubt and anguish is iniquity itself because it's not placing your faith in God. He says, and my bones waste away. I'm a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. And, and notice, he says he's a reproach with his enemies, but even his neighbors he's a reproach with. And the reason he's a reproach with his neighbors is because they're tired of dealing with him. You ever been around somebody that you genuinely have a good relationship with? You, you want to be a help to them, but sometimes they're hard to help uh, because you're tired of them. Did I say that when I thought that myself? Anyway, you're tired of their crap. You're tired of their mess. Now you come in all the time and they got junk all over them all the time. You just, you're tired of it. And you're tired of them not growing and becoming. And, and, and you just feel that way all the time about them. David realizes if you live your life this way, that's how you become. And you think about who you feel that way about is there any reason to feel that way about you? Is anybody, any reason why you get people go, oh, I deal with him. And you're actually not somebody that they don't like because some personal appearance issues or that's not because you're, you're necessarily a person of bad character and you're ugly or mean and you're hard to deal with. It's just that your mess, your garbage all around you, all that mess that's going on in you, you just are not enjoyable. That happens if you spend all your life focused in anguish and grief and fear and doubt. He said, he says, I'm reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. He says, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. <laughs> That's bad. Even people who run into you, you begin to repulse. And by the way, your physical appearance and your fit, and not just where you look, but how you groom yourself and how do you take care of things and things like that, that suffers when you walk in grief and fear and doubt and worry and all that kind of stuff. All that begins to suffer. Those who see me outside flee from me. Hmm. I'm forgotten like a dead man and out of the mind because people cannot sustain your issues forever. I, I would say that, man, I would say that to you. If you're listening today and you just live your life that way and it's just always, woe is pitiful me, people just can't, they can't emotionally deal with you all the time. You, you are just, you're a drag. I know that's an old word from before my time, but dude, you're a drag. He says, I am forgotten like a dead man out of my mind. I'm a lot, I'm like a broken vessel. Yeah, you're broke, dude. You're broke. You're messed up. Quit. Stop. He says, for I hear the slander of many. And do, and people are talking about you because you keep, you. there's nothing that changes. He says, fear is on every side. Notice. <laughs> and, and it's because you just boogie men everywhere. He says, while they take, uh, while they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. Notice what he says. Everybody's talking about everybody's against me. Wow. 
9 through 13 really needs to be, you probably need to take your pen and kind of mark that out. If you've got somebody out there that's just totally destroying themselves by living in fear and anguish and, and doubt and worry and all that kind of stuff, boy, just that's a passage you can take them through and just go, this is the garbage you're living in. He says, but as for me, I trust in you, Lord. Notice there is another way to live and that is to trust God in the midst of, even if it is true that all that is going on, you can trust God and you, and remember, faith makes us like he is. Faith matures us and God is attractive to people. Godliness, and I mean godliness in the sense of uh, a boldness of faith and a boldness of expectation of great things from God is attractive to people. He says, I say, you are my God. He says, I trust you, I, you're my God. My times are in your hand. Meaning the moment I live in is today. Notice he's saying, I'm gonna live in the moment. I'm not gonna <clears throat> hope for things in the future. I'm gonna live in the moment of today. And let me tell you, all the stuff that's up here, I and I'm quite sure most every one of you in the verses of nine through 13, have some of those familiar spirits in your life of worry. You've got that parent or grandparent that was a worrier. you got the parent or grandparent that was fearful of everything. You've got family members who, who were in anguish all the time. You were sighing away their life. All those things are familiar spirits, and they're easily easy to fall into. And whenever I read through that passage, I can think that of people in my life that were that and that modeled that for me in big ways or small ways or whatever ways they come up with, I can see that being modeled out there. And so I understand if you it's familiar to you and you know it intimately, but that is not an excuse to live. He says, my times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and those from who persecute me, meaning I am trusting in the moment that you're going to be a God of deliverance. And nobody faced any more adversity in their life. You might face as much, but you didn't face any more adversity in your life than Job himself. And he says, I know my Redeemer lives. What he's saying is that I know there is redemption and that redemption comes from God. And I expect great things to happen, even if it seems like they're not. He says, make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Notice he's saying, just just show off your mercy by just saving me. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes God just wants to, wants to take you and say, hey, look, this one doesn't even look like he's, it's possible to save him. Let me show off a little bit, save him through my mercy. He does that. He says, notice, make his face shine upon me. Show me his countenance. Make his, who he is known to me. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord. He said that in the first verse. For I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Meaning, let their end be assured. But my end is not. My end is not uh, going to be in the grave. My end is going to be in glory and in you. Let the lying lips put be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuous against the righteous. He said, "You handle them that are coming against me. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to focus my life on the what ifs that." are likely not to be because God's already God's already determined my next step. He says, oh, how great is your goodness. And, and, and the way you do tr begin to trust God is you take the focus off of you. I can't say this enough. 
take the focus off of you and your mess. Take it off of you and your mess and place it on him. His goodness is great, which you have laid up for those who fear you. Remember, his goodness is great and it has been stored up. We're not out of it. We're not out of fear ventilators, okay? God's got them packed in warehouses so great his goodness can be poured out on you at any time. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be without a ventilator. He says, God ventilator, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. Notice he's prepared it for those who place their faith in you in the presence of the sons of men. He says, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man, meaning man can't get to those things. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Notice he's keeping them in a pavilion for us from the strife of tongues. Nobody can talk him out of it. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city, meaning he keeps me protected and he shows his loving kindness, his marvelous kindness. For I said in my haste, Notice I said in my haste, which means it was not well thought out. Living in those things was not, was not the prescription that God ever had for me. I just hastily ran off to fear so I could just bathe in it and waller in it. I ran off to, to grief so I could waller in it rather than in the moment considering the great things that God has for me down the road. In my haste, I took off after that. I'm cut off from you. From before, he said, I, I, in my haste, I, I thought I was all ruined. He said, nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication when I cried out to you. Even in the midst of you wallowing in and all that, God's still listening to you and God's still, he's trying to get you up. He's trying to get you moving. He says, oh, oh love, oh, love the Lord, all uh, you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and, the, and he fully replay, uh, repays the proud person meaning he loves those who are humble and trust him and, and who are faithful to come and, and sit in his counsel. He says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Notice, be of good courage. That sounds like a, a Dickens book, be of good courage. But the truth is be of good courage is uh, it's a courage that comes from the goodness of God. And it is not, it's not throwing you a bone. It's not a forlorn hope. Good courage is actually courage born of knowing the goodness of God. And it is true and real. And if somebody says to you, be of good courage, then they're telling you that there is a place to overcome all these things and be courageous and live in his goodness. And that is by trusting God. And he says, and he shall strengthen your heart. If you be good courage, he strengthens your heart. And all you who hope in the Lord, he says, be of good courage. He's going to strengthen your heart if you place your hope or your trust in God. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.